My guest today is Maria Baltazzi, and she has developed and produced television shows throughout the world. She was one of the original supervising producers of the TV mega-hit Survivor, and she is a member of both the Producers and Directors Guilds of America. But Maria's brand new book, Take a Shot at Happiness, How to Write, Direct, and Produce the Life You Want, gives insights about being happy, learned from her time in the entertainment industry, observing people, and events, traveling, and studying well-being. Now, within the pages is a practical guide for a creative path to happiness through taking photographs with your camera phone, journaling about things that truly matter, and being part of a supportive community. She says you can create a healthier state of being and have fun doing it. Even when your world turns upside down, you can still be the writer, director, and producer of the life you want. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome executive producer and author Maria Baltazzi to the show. Welcome, Maria. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm just going to start off with something simple. What inspired you to write Take a Shot at Happiness? Well, I was at a point where nothing in my life was working. Uh, my professional life wasn't working as I wanted it. My personal life certainly wasn't working as I wanted it. And as I was sitting in my Los Angeles office feeling sorry for myself, I said, I don't want this to define me. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to feel this way. And I made a very conscious choice that I wanted to be happy or at least happier. And so I took intentional action every day. Sorry. I took intentional action every day in that moment in time up through to today. Every day I choose to be happy and I do something about it. And that's what I think is, is the real key to happiness when people ask me is that you make a conscious choice and you back it up with intentional, consistent action every day. I think you said something so vitally and important that, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to soak that up for a moment. She said, happiness is a choice. And Maria, you said it. You know, a lot of us think that happiness is something that just comes to us because of a situation or event uh, that kind of lifts our spirits. But actually, we have we have to make that choice to be happy regardless what the situation is. So that is some massive wisdom you just dropped on us today. Well, and, and what you were just saying, everything you just pointed out were external things. Happiness is an inside job. You know, you, you develop that, you create it, which is what my book helps you do. You know, you find that inside yourself. So then when you have that bigger house, when you are making that million dollars, you know, whatever that thing is, it's outside of you. That's now a, a compliment to your life. It's not a definition of your life. Huge difference. Big difference. Now, I found something interesting in your book. On page 15, you have a section called How to Use This Book. Why did you do that? Because I was very intentional about how I created the book. And I wanted people to understand how to best use the book. Because ultimately, I want to help people live better lives. And so I thought giving an instruction, setting up how to use the book, they would find the most benefit for it. And what I did coming from a television background is that I structured each chapter like I would um, an episodic television series where you have, you have a beginning, a middle and an end that's the same. You know, the content changes, but the format does not. So you know what to expect, you know, what kind of format you're following. You're getting a big picture of, you know, faith or love or gratitude. And then I'm going into 
you know, more specifics and it's eight ideas and it's always eight ideas. And there's eight chapters because eight, again, was a very intentional number. You put eight on its side and it's infinity. So you're always changing and growing. It's a continuous thing. And then I do a, a summation, you know, so what does all of this mean? And then I give various activities that, that you can journal about. And also I give photo assignments. And so what this does is it takes the intellectual ideas that I'm writing about in terms of faith or love or your health or gratitude. It takes these intellectual head ideas, gives you something creative and fun to do, photography. You know, I have a very specific uh, photography prompts that you go out into the world and you take photos about things that, that mean represent faith to you. So you better understand it. So you take it from your head and you bring it into your heart and you integrate it. You integrate these virtues and qualities and habits in a way that is specific to you. So you're not just reading concepts and saying, okay, but what does that really mean to me? So the book helps it become specific to you. And I so like, that's why I wrote, that's why I put on page 15, the how to. What, what I love is you created a book where, you know, a lot of people will read self-help books. They'll read every page and then they go back to the life that they have always lived. You know, it's kind of like a feel good moment, but they never put it into action. You created a book that if people will follow page by page, it puts them into the action phase, which I love. So it makes them do something. The other thing is your book wasn't just created as a one-time read because it can actually be used as a manual that one can go back to over and over again. Why was that important? Because as we move through life, it ebbs and flows, and sometimes we feel we need to work a little bit more on love, loving ourselves, having loving relationships. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, love is going great for you, but, you know, maybe you could work on being a little bit more forgiving. So you just go to the chapter on forgiving and, and you work on where can I in my life be more forgiving? Yeah. Who do I need to maybe apologize for to and, and get forgiveness from them? Yeah. So, so you can go back to the book. I, I, the hope, the vision, the dream is that you do keep this, this as a book that, that you go back to when you need different areas of your life fortified. And I created an app. It's in the Apple App Store right now, and the Android is is uh, in a work in progress. And what the the app does is it takes the the assignments, the the I call them photo opportunities and and photo ops and action opportunities, and you put them onto uh, I put them onto an app so you can always be working on your well-being. You can always be working on understanding your happiness better wherever you are. And, and I think having it accessible and fun, you are more likely to do it. And the more likely you are to you know, work on your faith or work on, on love or gratitude, you know, the more you do this, the more it becomes a habit. The more it becomes a habit, it starts reforming, it starts creating a positive neural pathway towards the good, which ultimately then starts to reshape your overall well-being. See, I love that. And, you know, it's funny because everybody has a smartphone in their hand and you took that one action. We, you know everybody has it in their hand there's no excuse not to be taking a picture when they're reading the pages of your book and following it. I thought the idea was absolutely brilliant because I can go on my phone right now 
And I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I probably have over 20,000 photos on my phone. You know, thank goodness I, I have an iCloud to, to put them all on. And, and I'm just that way. And your book actually encourages us to do that. And uh, that's the reason I think I love the title of your book. Just take a shot. <laughs> well, the title of the book is both. It, it's, it's a call to action in and of itself. And it's also what you do throughout the book. And the use of your camera phone as a way to explore your happiness comes from my own experience. For about five years, I took a photo every day of something that, that made me happy, that, that stopped me in my tracks, that gave me joy, that gave me pause, that made me smile. Because I was at a point where I wasn't really having that much fun. And, and I wanted to do something about it. And what started out as just, um, you know, making myself feel better in a particular moment in time became something I did for almost five years. And when you can just focus on one image, I, I'm used to having camera crews around me and all kinds of people asking questions, wanting something, wanting a decision, telling me something. And when I could just focus on a single rose that was sunlit by the morning rays that are still covered in dew drops, when I could just focus on that for a moment, it relaxed me. It felt meditative. All that other stuff just melted away just for that moment. And I was very present. And so that's where the idea for using that as, as, as a teaching tool, if you will, came, came about. Well, your page is on picturing faith, probably one of my favorite sections of the book. I mean, many today that they hide their faith, especially in the entertainment industry, but you boldly put it out there for everyone to read. Why is your faith important to you? And what do you hope that that section will do for others who read it? I look at faith as being so foundational to everything else that, that you build upon in terms of happiness. And, and I thought a lot about faith. And my, my section on faith isn't about a particular uh, religion. It's not about a doctrine. It's not even about a philosophy. It, it's about considering what is bigger than you. What do you go to when you need solace, when you need hope? And I think that that's what faith is. I think faith is a vessel for solace and hope. And, and you... Um, you use that really as your, your strength, as your motivation, however you define it. You could call it God. You could call it the creator. You could call it source. You could call it mother nature. Whatever that is for you, I'm suggesting you define that for yourself and then lean into it as, as, as you need it, as your foundation. So that's why I started with it. Well, and, and I was very, and, and I, I really wanted to be intentional about saying, I'm not saying you have to be a particular faith. It's just the, the concept of what else guides you. Besides you, what else guides you? Yeah, and, and I, I picked and I picked that up. Yeah, I picked that up in the book. Um, and, I, and I completely understand why you did that. Uh, and I have a great question for you, though. How do we make faith bigger than our fears? Well, <laughs> I think that when you truly believe in that source that is greater than you, it's, it's you are offering your fear to that source. You're saying, source, take this fear from me 
because I'm looking to you to guide me. And I believe in you so much and in your guidance that I can let go of my fear. And that's a step of faith in itself. That's a big leap of faith. You know, and it's the... interesting. It's interesting. I've I've had I've had people who um, don't prescribe to a particular religion say how impactful that that chapter was for them because I wasn't talking about a particular religion or doctrine, but a a concept. And and going back to the idea of of why I use. Uh, photography and journaling, you know, so now you can take the, this concept of faith that I've written about and using the prompts that I give in the book, you can start defining that for yourself. You know, what does faith yeah. really mean and how is it, how does it fit into your happiness framework? Yeah. Cause what I love, cause see, I, I'm the type of person that believes that we should never live in our comfort zone. Because if you do, you're never going to learn. Okay. Yeah. And one of my favorite stories in your book, and it's in, it's very early on in your book. You just, it, it, you were early on in your television producing career. And I love the story where you, you literally got handed a camera. Uh, go get some shots of whatever. And you literally had no clue what to do. And you had to wing it by faith. And I've heard stories like this over and over again, but I love them because it proves sometimes, you know, they, if you want to learn how to swim, you got to jump in the water. And sometimes there's somebody around us that's going to push us into that water and we just have to make the best of it. But sometimes that's the catalyst to a better life. And that is literally one of my favorite stories in your book. Thank you. Well, I remember I was just like, oh my gosh, I just have to do this. You know, now for you, why was your fear of failure such a great life teacher? Well, there's there's a couple of things to that. You know, my fear of failure was that I didn't want to disappoint. I didn't want to disappoint my parents. I didn't want to disappoint my boss. I didn't want to disappoint, you know, someone who was close to me, you know, and, and it was initially not wanting to disappoint others. I, I mean, it wasn't even occurring to me that I might be not, that it, it goes to not wanting to disappoint myself. That, that didn't even occur to me for a very long time. And um, once I started realizing that it needed to be more of an inside job and that, that it was also not, it was also not about me, but it was about the percent, the, the, the message, the thing that I was doing, the thing that I was putting out into the world that that was bigger than me. And so when I realized, oh, it's not about me, it's about what I'm imparting. And that that really uh, became a big lesson the very first time I had to give a, a talk. I was so afraid to get up in front of uh, an audience. And this was a an audience of, of real hardcore adventurers and they wanted to know uh, about a show that I did for Animal Planet about uh, saving rhinos. And I just was so worried that I wouldn't, I wouldn't perform. You know, I had so much fear around that and it just suddenly clicked in actually when I was on stage and I was seeing people leaning in to what I was saying. It was just like, oh, it's not about me. It's not about my fear. It's about saying never mind to that because you know there there is a message that people want to hear that's going to help them. You know they'll learn how to do animal conservation. Isn't that worth going beyond my fear? 
It is. And, you know, I, I looked, <clears throat> I read into your background. You filmed all over the world. You've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro twice. You've been to Everest Base Camp. You've done all of these things. Out of all of those things that you've done, which one maybe ignited your greatest fear, but you overcame it? I would say climbing Kilimanjaro. Really? Yeah, because you <laughs> you had to you had to go up. You know, going to base camp was certainly was certainly a a, a physical ad adventure, and there were many steep parts of it. But for Kilimanjaro, I had just finished shooting a, a series for the History Channel, and I was in Tanzania, and that's where Kilimanjaro that's where Kilimanjaro is. And I just had it in my head that I really wanted to climb this mountain, except I had never climbed a mountain. I didn't know how I was going to do at altitude. I certainly wasn't training to climb a mountain and I'm a tad bit afraid of heights. So even though I really wanted to climb this mountain, there I was at the base of the mountain being so afraid I wouldn't even look up to see how steep, how far I would potentially climb. I just put one foot in front of the other until six days later, I was on the summit of the fourth tallest mountain in the world crying because I accomplished something that I didn't know, didn't think I could do. And that was huge, huge, huge because it gave me the confidence to go on to do other things like write a book on happiness. Well, yeah. And I guess the, the second time you climbed it, you were far more prepared. I was, I was. Well, in your book, but you there, there's still, there's, yeah. there's still a, a, an area of the mountain in particular where you have to scramble over uh, steeper rocks. And so everybody's like, oh, isn't this fun? I'm like, I am not looking down. <laughs> I'm just going to keep my head focused on my next step. There you go. And I think, well, there's wisdom there. We should always focus on our next step. Even though we may have dreams and goals and we desire the end result, we need to focus on the journey and enjoy the journey. Now, in your book, you state that good health revolves around three fundamental concepts. Um, take care of where you focus your mind, uh, mind what you do with your body, and have the comfort of knowing that someone or something is supporting you. Uh, why is this good health chapter so vital to all of us? I think your health is Taking, taking care of your health is your best insurance plan. If you don't have your health, and I mean it three-dimensionally, three you're taking care of your mind, you're taking care of your body, you're taking care of your spirit. When you do not have that, when you aren't functioning, when you have disease, all your money, all your access, all your dreams, they don't mean anything. They're gone because you can't do it because you don't have the health, whether it's in mind, body, or spirit. So I, that's why I feel it's one of the foundationals, you know, of the eight happiness essentials that I write about in my book, you know, faith being the first one, love being the second one, and and health being the third, I, you just, you can't do anything else if you, if you don't have, to me, if you don't have those three things, you know, that faith in something beyond yourself that's going to propel you forward, that's going to cradle you when you fall and help, help pick you up, you know, that love for ha loving yourself and humanity you know, you love yourself, so you take care of yourself. A lot of people don't take care of themselves. And that's why I put love ahead of health, 
because unless you have some form of love for yourself and wanting to take care of yourself, you're not going to do it. That is very true because when I was in your good, good health section, you said something so profound and ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to quote it here because I want you to listen and hopefully it kind of gives you a little bit of a, a healthy jolt. And Maria writes in her book, if you do not make time to be healthy, you will be forced to take time to be sick. And a lot of people need to let those words sink in, Maria. And I'm glad you put that in your book because you were blunt. <laughs> so I, I love that. And and like and like you said, you placed the love chapter before good health. A lot of people today, they don't focus on self-care, and I don't technically mean physical, but a lot of people, they don't love themselves. A lot of people, it doesn't occur to them. Now, I was, and I was surprised at this. I teach uh, on Insight Timer. I'm one of the meditation teachers, and sometimes I do live sessions. And in one of my live sessions, it was about self-care and self-love. And in the chat, somebody put, I didn't realize that I could love myself. And that just floored me. It's like, how, how do you not realize that that's a possibility, that you are worthy you are good enough. You deserve, you are, you, yes, yes, you get to love yourself and that's okay. And I think that maybe that's part of why people have um, a struggle with self-love because they associate it negatively. They associate it with narcissism, self, being self-centered, you know, those connotations, which yes, that can be true, but it does not have to be true. Well, no, it can be by loving yourself. It, to me, it improves self-confidence, mm -hmm. um, which can also lead to uh, having more faith in yourself, uh, more courage to step out. And I also think, too, that today's social media is causing a lot of people to judge themselves or compare themselves to others and comparing uh, themselves to people that they're not going to be able to be equal to and in many different ways and forms. But like you said, we need to literally just learn to love ourselves, even in the state that we're in, because the rest of your book is the building blocks for us to become better in the most important areas of our life, which is why your book is so, so encouraging and even profound at the same time. Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and it is important. You know, when we have our well-being taken care of, you know, as Many of us have heard when we're on an airplane, the steward saying, you know, in the event of an emergency, an oxygen mask may drop down, put it on yourself first, then help those around you. Well, that's what, that's what paying attention to your well-being, your happiness, that's what it's doing. It's, it's, it's encouraging you to be your best self, put on the oxygen mask first. And so you can then be of better service to not only your immediate circle of people, but you, you can be a better service in, in the world. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't this be a better place if more people, you know, gave thought to, to their, their well-being and, and actively did something about it? When we help ourselves, we're better equipped to help other people. And that's, and that's what your book does. It's actually helping us in a way to rebuild ourselves. You know, so, sometimes you can't be better until you have to break something. And sometimes we have to break ourselves apart 
to piece ourselves back together and be better people. And your book does that. Now, your section on forgiveness is a very powerful one. And I love the saying by Bishop Desmond Tutu, peace always comes to those who choose to forgive. Why was this chapter so important for you to put, to put in your book? Because I had so much unforgiveness in myself. I'm, I, I don't mean not forgiving my, yes, there was an element of not forgiving myself for, for certain things, but also being unforgiving towards people in my life that, that I really loved and care about, but held such a deep grudge for, and for a very long time. And, and it's, it's uh, disabling your relationship. And so when I realized for myself the importance of forgiving, that's when, that's when I, I you know, thought this needs to be included in the book too. Because a, a lot of people, many people don't think about like the, the self-love or the self-care. They don't think about self-forgiving. Well, that's well part as, of self-care and self-love. Right, exactly. You know, in addition to either forgiving somebody else who has wronged you or asking for forgiveness to someone you wrong, you also need to forgive yourself. You know, and, and that's hugely important because I think when you are unforgiving, you know, it hangs around. You know, it's, it's part of your psyche. It's part of how you are operating in the world that you have this peace in you that, that feels, feels very negative, feels, you know, very um, uh, constricted. And so you want to forgive to, to release yourself. You know, one of the things that, one of the things that I, you know, you're always a work in progress, no matter how many years you study, no matter how much work you do, you're always a work in progress. And one of the things that I do every day, and it also ties into what you were saying a moment ago about uh, comparing, you know, having that, that comparing mind or being judgmental or being unforgiving. Every day, part of my prayers is that I am not those things. Now, please take that away from me. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to, to be comparing myself. I don't want to be unforgiving. You know, and, and when I have that come up for me, I, I have the awareness to say, okay, you're judging, you're being unforgiving, you're playing small, let go of it. That's, that's not what you want for yourself. And I, you know, I want a lot of people to know, because this is a very, very important life lesson, this, you know, your chapter on forgiveness. We need to have the, the concept and the comprehension. We have one life to live. We don't get a do-over. Why would you want to harbor unforgiveness for the rest of your life over something that the other person may not even remember? And a lot of people think that I'm, I'm going to forgive someone for what they did. Sometimes we need to forgive people for what they didn't do. But go ahead. I know you have a thought. <laughs> no, that's true. I don't remember it right off the top of my head if it was Gandhi or the Buddha that said, when you hold on to, I'm paraphrasing, when you hold on to anger, you're only hurting yourself. It's like holding hot coals. When you hold hot coals, you're going to burn your hands. And that's what hanging on to what hanging on to, you know, being unforgiving does. You're, you're harming yourself. And you're right. Oftentimes, people 
don't even remember what it, whatever that thing is. And I, I, this is something, and maybe you're, you're referring to this in, in my book where, um, there I, I am a practicing Greek Orthodox Christian. And so every year as we are going into Easter, there is a day of forgiveness. And that day of forgiveness, you air out with whoever you have uh, an issue with. You, you air it out, you come to a conclusion, and then that's it. You're done. You're done harboring any negative feelings and you just move on. Now you can either choose to continue the relationship with them or not, but you have, you have a resolution. You have closure. You've let go of the hot coals. And one year, I just felt like I had a lot of unfinished business that, that was bothering me. So I sat down and I wrote to every person that I felt either had an issue with me or I had an issue with them. And there were several people who said, you know what? I don't, I'm, I, I completely forgot about that. So here I'm wasting my emotional real estate on something that that person doesn't even think about, which is the other thing that people are so focused on thinking about themselves. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. No, 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 I understand. So focused on, on their thing, they're not thinking about you, you know? So stop worrying that people are, are thinking about you because more times they're not, they're not, more times than not, they are not thinking about you. So That's let it go. right. Yeah, because if you forgive and you let it go so that you're free, you know, forgiveness is really there to set ourselves free. And if you ever happen to run in, you know, in to, with the other person that orig originally hurt you, you treat them with love and kindness. One, because they probably don't even remember that they hurt you. Or by treating them with love and kindness, they're going to remember what they did. <laughs> so either way, it works. Yes, I agree. I agree. Now, in your book, Maria, uh, you list, and, and I love this part, and it's still in the, the chapter of forgiveness, that you, you give the four steps to forgiving, and they're simple yet profound. Uh, what type of response have you been getting from people who have read your book? Um, I haven't had anybody, I mean, people really resonate with the book. But picking out that specific section, nobody's come back to me with that specific four steps to forgiveness that, that is based on Desmond Tutu's, um, his, his book of, of forgiveness, you know, which is where, you know, you recognize that, you know, something has happened, you air out your feelings, then you let that person air out their feelings, you, you know, show that respect that the other person has their side to to it and then you make a a true acceptance of uh where you were responsible in the wrongdoing and a genuine i'm sorry i won't do that again i didn't mean to hurt your feeling whatever whatever that reconciliation is and then you can either say i want you in my life or not but but you have that closure. Yes, yeah, like they say, when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean that you have to invite them over. Mm -mm. You know, you can, like you said in your book, you can choose to stay in contact with them or not. And, and everybody needs to, to learn that. Also, you have a chapter with gratitude. Why is gratitude so important, especially today? Because what we are grateful for the things we appreciate appreciates so there is a story which is also in my book about oprah and somebody comes to her home and they bring a, a, a bouquet of flowers and oprah just 
oh, these are beautiful flowers and I'm going to get a vase for it. And she puts the, the, the flowers into the vase and she puts it in a prominent place in her living room. And she keeps going on about how beautiful they are. And her, her guest said, I'm, thank you. I'm glad that you uh, appreciate these flowers, but why so much you know, attention to you know, a bouquet of flowers? And Oprah looks around her room and she smiles and she says, how do you think I have all this? That's powerful. And that's gratitude. That's gratitude. That's gratitude. And, and making there's the so other person, much. Yeah. Making the other person feel important yeah. and highly appreciated. Yeah. yeah. I love that. There's now, why so did you choose to use stories from film and TV in your book? Which I know that's technically has always been your career. Yes, it, 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 you know, I wanted to make my, I mean, even though I have a, a, a degree, a, a PhD in conscious living and all that stuff, I still wanted to ground my book in my background. So it made sense that I was writing from uh, a point of uh, authenticity, of credibility. And I think that we relate to stories. We all love stories. Since we go back to, you know, the earliest men walking, you know, men, mankind walking on the face of the earth, you know, we were t telling stories. You'd sit around the, the, the fire and, and, you know, tell stories about your, the, the hunt, you know? And, and so I also think that, that stories, film, we learn lessons. We, we really get things out of, of the, the movies that, that we watch. And so I did that as a way of relatability. So even, even in you know, a film like Pirates of the Caribbean, I also intentionally chose you know, mainstream films. You know, to, to, it's like there are lessons everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why I use story. I, I use story as, as a way to make it fun and, and relatable. You know, you well, remember you remember Forrest Gump sitting on that 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 park bench. Digging around in, in the box of chocolates and the woman next to him ignoring him. You know, and, yeah. you know, you ignore people who who actually have something that maybe you could learn from them, but you're too busy on your phone or whatever to pay attention to that kindness or that wisdom. So that's why I use stories. Well, I love stories. And for you, what did you learn from producing on Survivor that stayed with you uh, after you left the show? Well, the biggest takeaway for me was that, that you don't know what you don't know until you're in that situation. Meaning I was a, a, one of the original producers on Survivor for seven seasons. And I always did the very last episode. And so I had a front row seat for that amount of time to see the best and the worst in human behavior. And so many times I would be sitting in interview with contestants saying, well, this isn't me. This is me just playing a game. And I'm like, no, it's you. Those were your words and actions. I watched you. I have it on. I have it on. <laughs> the cameraman got that. And it, it started me to realize that we all have untapped potential, good or bad. And you don't really fully understand it until you are being tested. I mean, the survivor contestants were vying for life-changing money on a remote beach without their creature comforts, without their family and friends to support them. How, they don't know how they're going to react in, in that environment. So... Either you are tested to find out what you're capable of, like the, the survivor contestants, or you explore it, which is what my book invites you to do. You know, you explore your happiness potential. 
you become what, what I am, what I consider myself to be, which is a happiness explorer in that I intentionally, you know, sat down and I qualified for myself. Okay. What works for me in my life? Well, having my faith, having loving relationships, being healthy in mind, body, and in, in spirit, being grateful, being forgiving, you know, that I qualified these for myself, these values. And then I researched, I went and looked for science to back up what I was intuitively feeling and experiencing that that was actually, you know, my thesis. So my thesis, so, so I did the research and they became the chapters of my book. They became the happiness essentials, which are the, the virtues and qualities of happy people and, and the habits that go along with it. And really you learn these because you want the resilience. Happiness is another word for resilience. You learn these values, you learn the, the, the virtues and the qualities and the habits. So you have an awareness of A, what makes you happy, but when things are, are going south on you, when they're not working, you are able to recognize it, have some tools to help, help you navigate those challenges, and then get out on the other side, being more emotionally intact. You want emotional sustainability. And that's what my book, I feel, helps you do. You know, as you identify, you know, the positive in your life, helps you to look for the positive in your life, you know, and, and helps you to learn to uh, recognize when, when uh, something is unproductive. You know, I, I, I will talk about negative and positive thinking because it's, it's what people, you know, quickly, get what you're talking about. But truly, I feel it's it's either productive or unproductive thinking. That's what you're recognizing. So you're you're recognizing unproductive thinking and then reframing it because you know yourself or you're trying to know yourself in a way that serves you and others better. So instead, so it's yet negative to positive, unproductive to productive. You know, Maria, your book, Take a Shot at Happiness, it, it's a must read. No, thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, this is a book you need to have. And don't just buy it and just let it sit there. You need to buy it. Take a step of faith, open it up, and start reading. And here's the thing. M most people, you know, as, you know, it's funny, Maria, and you, you've probably met the same type of people where people say, well, I don't read. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I read all the time. And reading opens up a whole new world, regardless of what you're reading. But your book is a book of action. So ladies and gentlemen, do this. Even if you just, when you get Maria's book, read a page or two per day. I don't care if it takes you a year to get through the book. Take each page, a couple of pages every day, read it and apply what you're reading. Just take the step of faith, take the action, move your body, move your mind when you start putting your life into action, well, then you're actually equaling the title of, of her book. You're becoming a writer. You're a director. You're producing the life you want. Sometimes you don't know the life you want. But if you take the step of faith, there's going to be things. There's going to be little signs. There's going to be those magical moments that come up. And they're going to appear before you. And you're going to go, Oh, that's what I'm good at. And then all of a sudden, things happen. It's just like with Maria. So many hands her a camera. She has no clue what to do with it. And she wings it. But isn't that what life is about? Sometimes we got to wing it. And when we wing it, 
That's when the real magic happens. And Maria, I've got to say, stellar job. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And just to also remind people that they, they can uh, do the activities using the app. So go to the, the Apple App Store and soon the you know, there'll be a, an Android version. And that, that will help that journey as well. Now, do we just type in, uh, take a shot take at a shot happiness? At mm -hmm. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like all of us, Maria has faced challenges personally and professionally. Now, instead of letting life's setbacks defeat her, she was inspired to embark on a life-changing journey where she realized eight happiness essentials that, that create a happier, more fulfilling life. Now, Maria helps you discover your path to happiness in a fun, creative way that combines journaling and phone photography. So you now can use your phone for something positive. Now, Maria Voltazzi's new book, Take a Shot at Happiness, How to Write, Direct, and Produce the Life You Want, is one of the best life books I've read in a very long time. And I mean that sincerely and honestly. Now, if you will take the time, read it page by page, take notes, take pictures, your life will be transformed just like her title encourages us to do. It's available everywhere where all books are sold. So get your copy today. There's even, I believe there's a, a Kindle version as well. So start taking a shot at the life you truly want. It just takes one step and then another and another and then wait to see what happens. And Maria, I want to thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your amazing book with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Well, I am so glad you did. And uh, Maria, you are always welcome back on the program. And uh, if you plan on doing any more uh, television producing and directing, you got to come back and tell us about those projects as well. Well, I've got a few things in the works. So, well, oh, and just one other thing that, that people can go to my website, mariabaltazi.com, and they can see all the different places where they can order the books, like Amazon and, and Barnes and Noble and Goodreads, you know, the usual suspects. All right, we're gonna. That's gonna be. That's on your screen right now, ladies and gentlemen. So go to mariabaltazi.com for all things to take a shot at happiness. And I hope you do take a shot at happiness because your life will change day by day in a very positive way. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for watching and listening. And as for me, I'll see you next time.